And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Todd Benzman, and he's with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Great to be here. I appreciate it. Now, you're a senior national security fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies, and I suspect that you have a very broad background. Uh, Before we start talking about our southern border today, and that's what I'd really like to talk about, can you tell us a little bit of your experiences uh, in the past 20, 30 years? Yeah, uh, so I uh, do have a bit of a hybridized uh, background, uh, sort of with journalism and intelligence. I was a reporter, newspaper reporter, for 23 years. I'm a recovering journalist, I guess is what I say. (laughs) And um, then I, I transitioned from that to the Intelligence and Counterterrorism Division of the Texas Department of Public Safety, where I just was an intelligence uh, analyst and manager for another nine years and uh, through 2018, doing a lot of work on the border uh, in an intelligence capacity and counterterrorism. And then I joined the Center for Immigration Studies in 2018, and I'm kind of back to writing and uh, reporting. Again, not quite in a journalism role, but nevertheless writing and publishing yeah. about the border. Well, I've seen you on a on a show that I watched to catch up on the news, and uh, that's how I came across your name. Um, the border... Um, how would you summarize it uh, as it stands today, the concerns, whatever, um, high-level summary? Well, we as a country are weathering the greatest mass migration crisis in in history. We've never seen numbers anywhere near uh, like what they are now in terms of apprehensions, uh, definitely more than two and a half million since uh, January of 2021, and uh, looking at about uh, 160 to 180,000 every single month crossing the border that that's, that we lay hands on, and probably another 40 to 60,000 a month that we call Galloways, and uh, uh, those are people that you know we didn't lay hands on, but we saw their tracks in the sand or from a surveillance video or something and we didn't catch them so the the numbers are really off the chart it's uh you know we've never had numbers like this since we started keeping track in 1960 Uh, those people are from all over the world uh, not just from central america but about 40 percent of them are from places other than central america and mexico from really the entire world coming Mm. over the border it's absolutely swamped our regular border management systems and uh it's a real crisis down there yeah that's the sense that i was getting um but i didn't know that the numbers were this large two and a half million people since january 2021 um and these people are are they coming in 
illegally that that many people yes wow those are those are the people that are uh, illegally entering the border between ports of entry so you know they're being caught in the brush or uh, a lot of them just turn themselves in now uh, but then there's lots of people running and then you know there's also still the regular drug smuggling and all the other uh you know vices down there mm-hmm. uh, on the border so it's a uh, taken all together it's it's really something you know the united states has never experienced before in its history what are the um the categories you you mentioned drug smuggling um i've heard he, that human trafficking is occurring Yes. Well, there's, uh, you know, human trafficking and human smuggling are two different things. Uh, you know, uh, smuggling is where the person being you know, brought over the border is paying for that. So it's, it's all consenting on all sides there, okay. but trafficking is forced, uh, you know, either sex trafficking or uh, labor trafficking. Uh, that's a little bit more mysterious. Uh, we we don't know as much about that because obviously it's you know everybody's running and evading and hiding and so it's harder to really see that mm-hmm. but that's happening too yeah now um, what about people uh, well let me ask you another category is there um, weapons coming in well I think most of the weapons actually is going the other way south oh my uh, lots of uh, weapons smuggling to the Mexican cartels. Uh, we do have uh, another category of risk, which is the um, entry of people from what's called countries of concern, of national security concern in the Middle East, uh, people who are uh, on the FBI's terrorism watch list are crossing as well. And so you have a, a national security element to it, and you also have people coming in who are members of extremely violent uh, gangs in Central America, uh, MS-13, for example, coming over, and uh, criminals of all sorts, criminal aliens who have been convicted in their countries and in ours of, uh, you know, violent felony crimes and, uh, you know, every, every possible kind of alien uh, criminal alien that, that that you can think of is coming over murderers and now um, let's say two three years ago uh, we had certain policies in in place I guess versus today how have policies changed and how has that affected people well in several very significant ways uh, under Donald Trump. As we all know, uh, policies were designed to deter people from trying to enter through the border, illegally through the border, and to take those long, dangerous trips. Uh, that A lot of that had to do with uh, the asylum law in the United States, where uh, people were being denied access to the asylum law because most of the people that were... Uh, taking advantage of it are not eligible for asylum, but they figured out that there's the, there's a few loopholes with it that would enable them to get into the United States by making a claim for which they were ineligible. 
and then just disappearing later after yes. they lose their claims into the United States. And so Trump, Trump, one of Trump's big policies that was highly effective there was to make them wait in Mexico so that when they lose their claim, they're not inside the United States. And so people were not interested in doing that. So they stayed home. Uh, that was a very significant one. And then uh, when Biden came in, uh, the first thing he did was he ended all deportations uh, So from the interior. So then, you know, that set up this enticement where if you can get past the 100-mile mark, uh, you would never be deported hmm. uh, or tracked down. And so that really set off a mad rush for the border. And the other thing is when the pandemic was on, the Trump administration closed the border and put in, put in place a pushback policy to Mexico called Title 42, which required that everybody who crossed in had to be pushed in back into Mexico and could not apply for asylum, which, as I mentioned, is the device used to get in and stay in. Uh, and Biden kept that except that he opened up two huge uh, exemptions in it. One was for unaccompanied minors, and the other exemption from Title 42 was uh, family units, family groups. So these two categories are the ones that have really rushed the border once they, once they realized that they were exempt. Uh, we've just had many hundreds of thousands of both categories Russian, and they are being resettled throughout the country. And that, of course, has created more of a suction for family units and unaccompanied minors to come through. And they, they really make up the majority of the crisis, those two groups, because they're being resettled immediately into the interior of the country. Now, that raises a question in my mind that I wanted to ask about. I've heard that we are either busing or flying illegal aliens into the interior of our country, sometimes in the middle of the night. Is that just a rumor, or is that true? No, it's totally true. Uh, I mean, you got to do something with all of these people coming through, so there's too many to uh, detain. The law requires that the border patrol detain every single illegally entering migrant and, and until they can be deported or their asylum claim can be adjudicated. But the Biden administration decided that it would not do that. And so instead they've resorted to something that no American government has ever done uh, before, which is called parole. Uh, like kind of a humanitarian parole, which is it's a provided in the law for individuals on a case by case basis. Uh, some really extreme exceptional circumstance that could be run up the flagpole and then, oh, well, we'll let that one guy in. But instead, uh, it's been applied uh, illegally, really, uh, to hundreds of thousands of people all at once. Those people have to be moved off the border, so uh, we put them on buses or allow them to be put on buses to any destination in the country that they want to go with a legal document uh, honor system, 
document where they promise that they'll report into immigration later on in whatever city they show up in. Very well, unusual. It uh, is. Thing. And that, that, that also is something that that is causing the numbers that we're seeing because everybody's like, well, heck, that's great. You know, let's go. What bothers me is on our side, we have this so-called honor system, but for the person coming in, they were very dishonorable in breaking our laws and coming in illegally. So why should we trust them to be honorable now? Well, that's a great question. Uh, You have to really uh, make an affirmative decision that you're going to just overlook the fact that, you know, nearly half of them just disappear and never report in. Uh, And then the other ones, you know, might report in because they want to apply for that asylum that I mentioned earlier, which gets them a kind of a legal status and in queue in a a very years-long backlog to even get the case adjudicated, and and they'll lose, and every time they lose, they just disappear at that point. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is just um, sort of a, um, it's a scheme, and everybody knows what the scheme is. The government knows what it is. The the non-governmental organizations that are helping with the resettlement knows what, what it is. And the migrants certainly know what it is. Uh, I think the only people that don't know what it what that this whole thing is a gigantic uh, conveyor belt scheme are the uh, majority of the American people don't really understand what's happening here. Yes. Now, what are the cities where people get bused to, and does the citizens of that city? who are keeping the city going, paying their taxes, fixing things, do they have any say in it? No. Uh, it's a federal decision. The The cities are chosen by the migrants. Uh, so, you know, when they come in and, you know, our Border Patrol picks them up and uh, takes them uh, to the processing station, usually out in the field, and within a couple of days they're on buses or airplanes, uh, they ask, where do you want to go? Wow. And, you know, they say, well, I'd like to go to Dallas or I'd like to go to Seattle or wherever. And and so the arrangements are made for them to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, legal papers are, are drawn up. So it's it's the decision about that is, is made by the migrants. I never knew that. Yeah, and often the... Migrants will select those cities based on, you know, I've got family there or, you know, uh-huh. half my village is my village settled there and they'll help me get a job or whatever. It's based on, you know, family ties or, you know, job prospects. Sure. Today we're talking with Todd Benzman. He knows a lot about immigration, particularly illegal immigration. He's a senior national security fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies. And Todd, tell us a little bit about years ago when you worked with the Texas Department of Public Safety, Intelligence, and Counterterrorism Division. Were you seeing criminals coming into the United States? Yeah, of course. Uh, all manner of uh, you know 
murderers and rapists and um, uh, you know child molesters and gang members, uh, drug traffickers, uh, serial um, re, uh, recidivists uh, coming through, mm-hmm. people who have been in, in, in U.S. prisons and then got deported afterwards, uh, people that are coming out of Mexican prisons or Central American prisons or, you know, places in Africa. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm not saying that everybody that crosses is some, something like that, but, but there are, you know, enough, uh, criminals crossing that it, it, you know, it's very concerning, uh, you know, when, especially when, you know, we have so many, uh, runners, people that are getting through uh, gotaways, because those are the ones that don't want to get caught. And there's so many gaps on the border now that it's it's easier than it's been in years to just kind of evade mm-hmm. the border patrol completely. And because there's no more deportation in the interior, uh, those people are home free too. Yeah. I have a theory that I hold to personally, and I'll I'll state it over the air. I I feel that if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Um, You need to define who your people are and what the rules are, law and order. Um, If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And I, I like to use this little example for those people that say, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, I'd like to ask them um, tonight when they go home, or maybe they're home right now hearing this, um, leave your door wide open and um, don't lock it. And almost nobody wants to do that. Uh, Everybody has locks. Some people have cameras. Some people hire security. Some people have a German shepherd. We had a German shepherd early on uh, when we had young children. And it was a wonderful protection for the family. I was away during the day. My wife was home. And um, nobody bothered us with that big German shepherd, let me tell you. Um, But I'm concerned. I'm concerned that people deal with this very theoretically and um, maybe innocently. You know, we're Christians here. We want to help people. Uh, We want to be loving towards them, accepting Uh, If they're here, we want to lead them to Christ, all of that. Yet at the same time, let us not forget that that we hold our position from a a position of safety. Uh, We go to our possibly uh, middle class, maybe even upper class church, totally safe, and um, we have no idea of the danger that's occurring on our southern border and now is being imported right into the center, our heartlands. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit more, uh, if you have the time, um, about some of the dangers of having a porous border. Sure. Uh, well, you know, one, one of my uh, specialties is uh, concerns national security and the threats coming over the border in that regard. And you know, I recently reported, for example, about a Lebanese-born Venezuelan who crossed uh, in December at Brownsville. He swam over the Rio Grande. They picked him up, and they ran his fingerprints and found that he was on the FBI's terrorism watch list. Mm. Uh, 
and and that he was of high risk with quote substantial derogatory intelligence about him. Mm. Uh, but you know they had him. Luckily, they had him in custody. The FBI goes da- goes down and they interview him. They interrogate him and recommend that he remain detained. And typically, I know from my experience that people who cross the border who are already on the FBI's terrorism watch list get deported uh, pretty quickly after their their intelligence value is is uh, topped. But in this case, the ICE headquarters ordered him released oh, because wow. he was o- he was overweight and at risk of getting COVID. They had this policy about releasing people who might be at risk of COVID, despite an FBI recommendation that he not be released because he was a flight risk. And so he is running around Detroit uh, pursuing an asylum claim. Uh, last I heard, and uh, the way we even know about this is because somebody in federal government was so upset about it that they leaked the documents, uh, which I have copies of. Uh, so there's there's just one example, but we have also had quite a number of uh, uh, instances where it became public knowledge, I'll put it that way, Yeah. that Yemenis have crossed the border who also were on the FBI's terror watch list. Uh, we had one cross about a year ago in Calexico, California. He was on the FBI's terrorism watch list. We had another one uh, also at about the same time who crossed also in California, Calexico, and was on the FBI's terrorism watch list and on the no-fly list which is a higher level of threshold yeah. uh, to be on that one. And he had a SIM card hidden in the sole of his boot, which is never a good thing. Uh, you know, no normal person is hiding no. uh, their sim- cell phone SIM card on, uh, you know, like that, unless they're up to something. Uh, we had a Saudi Arabian cross three or four months ago in Yuma, Arizona, who was on the FBI's terrorism watch list. That one was tweeted out by the chief border patrol agent for that sector. So it's coming from pretty impeccable source. Uh, We had the Mexicans catch uh, Yemeni on the terror watch list uh, late last year and just let him go, freed him. Mm. uh, into the uh, general population of the migrants moving forward and we don't know where he is uh so so you do have a a fairly significant stream of people coming from those countries uh over the border uh from the uh, middle east and south asia but you also have significant rises in numbers of people coming from places like the uh the congo uh, which in Cameroon and Ghana and Senegal and Mauritania and places where there are, you know, terrible uh, tribal conflicts. And, you know, maybe some of those people are, are victims of those conflicts, but, mm-hmm. but it's also possible that they are per- perpetrators 
uh, of, of atrocities, and we just don't know because they show up at the border with no identification. Their countries have no information about them that they, you know, they're, they're kind of pre-modern countries, a lot of those places. You can't just call them up for an intel share, you know. Mm. And we have all of those people crossing the border, too. Yeah. Uh, they say, my name is Mickey Mouse, and I declare asylum. Please believe me. And we have, we're believing them. Yes. Now, uh, we have two minutes left. Today we're talking with Todd Benzman. Suppose there's someone that is uh, sincerely wants to obey the law and wants to come to America. Uh, in two minutes, what's the path for legally coming to America? Well, you apply. Uh, you There's all different ways to apply for all different kinds of benefits. America is incredibly generous in uh with its legal uh immigration system we let in more than a million every year uh there are all different ways you can apply for student visas or uh you know permanent immigration you can apply for the lottery you can uh apply as a refugee uh anywhere in the world uh, and 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 you know those are tougher ways to get in you have to wait your turn you have to pay fees, you have to fill out paperwork, and you have to undergo some level of security vetting. But if you respect our nation and you respect our laws, then you'll do it. Yes. If you don't, if you don't respect us, if you don't care about us or laws, you're just going to cross the border. Yes. Yeah, well, that's well put. Our guest today has been Todd Benzman, Senior National Security Fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies. And Todd, it's an honor to have you on with us today, and it's very enlightening and informative. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem, and thank you for your interest and the attention, too. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.